Today we continue our sermon series entitled Walking Together. In today's scripture lesson, we read about people walking together down a road. Some of them are confused, some of them are sad, some of them are astounded, but when they get to the end of the road, they are not ready to say goodbye. So listen for the word of God to us from Luke chapter 24. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know these things that have taken place in these days? Jesus asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women in our group astounded us. They were there at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in the scriptures. As they came near to the village which they were going, he walked ahead as if he was going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, and then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. May God bless this reading to our understanding. There are so many good reasons not to invite someone to church. If you invite Bob, your new next-door neighbor, to church, Bob might misunderstand you. Bob might think that you are saying that your church has all the right answers. 
Bob might think that we are the kind of church that never doubts God, that never wrestles with the tough questions like, why is there evil? Why is there war? Bob might think that we are the kind of church that can sum up the five points of the Bible in five pithy statements that can easily be embroidered onto a pillow. Maybe it would just be easier not to mention church in front of Bob. The second reason we hesitate to invite people to church is that none of us wants to sound judgy or off-putting. What if you invite your new coworker at the office, Jordan, to church, and Jordan responds by saying, <laughs> I'm Jewish, or I'm atheist, or, oh, I went to church once, and that was so hurtful, I don't ever want any part of that again. Then perhaps Jordan will think that you think less of her because she is not on the identical spiritual path that you have found meaningful in your life. And the third reason, although I'm sure there are many more, is that you don't want to risk ruining a new friendship. Say you invite your friend Jennifer, the woman that you met at yoga, to come to our church. Maybe Jen will think less of you because you take your spiritual journey so seriously that you have chosen to be a part of a community of faith. There's a story that circulates amongst ministers. It's a story about an Episcopal priest, but it could really be any brand of religion. But this Episcopal priest set down the leaders of his congregation, and he announced that the average Episcopalian only invites somebody to church once every 16 years. And this woman on the front row went, shoo, I invited Cousin Becky three years ago. I don't have to do that again for another 13 years. <laughs> Today's scripture lesson is about how a couple of folks took a risk to invite someone in. One of them is named Cleopas, and the other isn't named in the text, so I'm going to call her Ruth. Cleopas and Ruth take the risk of inviting someone in. Now, it's not exactly like Cleopas and Ruth invited this person to come to church because this story takes place before the church was born. But by the time Luke is writing his gospel, the church has begun to form by gathering in house churches, in homes, not in places like this, but in gatherings in homes. And so Luke tells this story of Cleopas and Ruth walking along a road with a stranger who appears to them, and they are bewildered when this stranger appears because this one they had loved named Jesus has been crucified and buried. We had hoped, they tell the stranger, but their hopes are now dashed and gone because Cleopas and Ruth had hoped that Jesus is the one who would redeem their nation, who would redeem their lives. But now here they are, hunched over, plodding along on this road with broken hearts. Now, this is one of those moments in Scripture when you and I know something that the main characters, Cleopas and Ruth, do not know. We know because Luke tells us as the narrator that this stranger who has come to walk along beside them in the moment that they are grieving, this stranger is actually Jesus. 
but it's Jesus incognito. So Cleopas and Ruth have no clue that the stranger among them is the same one that they had seen crucified. They have not yet done what we have all done, sing the hallelujah chorus on Easter morn. They are still crushed. The text says that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. But this isn't a failure of eyesight. It's a failure of insight. The Greek says that their eyes were held back or their eyes were seized. Jesus is right in front of Cleopas and Ruth, but they don't get it. So after walking along this road for several miles, the sun begins to set and Cleopas and Ruth feel a little bit hungry. And so they decide it's time to call it a day, stop for the evening. And they say to this stranger, stay with us. And he accepts their invitation to come inside. It's like a gracious act of Southern hospitality. You know, come on in. We'll find a room at the table for you. We'll find an extra plate. Maybe we'll even open a bottle of wine. And then when he sits down at table with them, suddenly the guest becomes the host. He picks up the bread. He breaks it. He shares it with them. And their eyes are open and they see that this is their friend, Jesus at table with them. Our church seeks to mirror this story. Jesus came and walked alongside his friends, and we seek to walk alongside people like Bob, the new neighbor next door, and Jordan, the new co-worker at the office, and Jen, the friend from yoga. This whole church is set up and organized to be a place that facilitates our ability to walk alongside one another. Are you grieving? We'll walk alongside you. Are you elated with joy, expecting your first child? We'll walk alongside you. Are you doubting and lost? We'll walk alongside you. Is your teenager doing something you hope no one ever finds out about? We will walk alongside you. Are you seeking to understand something of the scriptures? Mike will walk alongside you in one of those amazing array of classes that he offers, not because he will spoon feed you the answers, but because he will teach you a process of spiritual discovery. The whole experience between Jesus and Cleopas and Ruth on this road takes place on a seven-mile journey. Now, the text goes out of its way to tell us it's a seven-mile road, which leaves them plenty of time to talk and discuss on what really is more like a hike. This scene, like the whole Gospel of Luke, reminds us that the Christian faith is not an end point, but a spiritual journey. Now, Maybe if the text had said that that road to Emmaus was only two-tenths of a mile, then you and I would need to be the kind of church that spits out all the answers rather quickly. We only have two-tenths of a mile for this dialogue. But on this seven-mile road, we have time to seek and explore and question and wonder and learn and change our minds and change our minds again. Time to expand our imagination and figure out new ways to serve one another. Time to rejoice and let our spirits soar. Time to make new friends. And time 
to remake ourselves. Our church's new tagline echoes these very themes. We meet you where you are and walk alongside you on the spiritual journey to a life with greater meaning. We meet you where you are and walk alongside you on the spiritual journey to a life with greater meaning. For me, one of the greatest things about church is the way that people have walked alongside me on my own spiritual journey. In fact, just yesterday, I was in Fort Worth, Texas at my home congregation preaching at the funeral of one of my mentors. At the funeral reception, I had the chance to visit with dozens and dozens of people that I had not seen in several decades, all of them people who had walked alongside me on the spiritual journey, mentors in the youth group, youth sponsors, Sunday school teachers, bell choir conductors, friends, former pastors, my, my parents' friends. My journey through this life would have been radically different if I had not been companioned by that set of individuals. They never taught me what to do or how to think Rather, they walked alongside me with gentleness and compassion and forgiveness and more forgiveness and grace and grit. Never was I told that there was a surefire formula on how to be a Christian, but always they were there to walk alongside me. Now, you know that people in the church are not perfect. Far from it, but they are always there when you need someone to walk alongside you. Many years ago, I was young and single and attending a church conference in Chicago. We had a little break, and I walked across the street, and I was on a busy street when I was pickpocketed. By the time I got back to my hotel room, the Chicago police were calling me to tell me that the person who had taken my wallet had been arrested and that I would need to stay over the following week and come to the Cook County Courthouse and testify. Well, I didn't have the money for extra night's lodging in Chicago. I didn't have the money to change my plane ticket. That was expensive. I didn't have the money for several days more meals in an expensive city. And then someone introduced me to Don McCord, a local pastor in Chicago. And he said, Carla, stay with us. And so I went and stayed in the home of a total stranger. And on Monday morning, Don McCord and his wife put me in their car, drove me all the way across Chicago to the courthouse, and then all the way back across Chicago to the airport. I know I ruined their whole day, but they saved mine. And I never forgot their hospitality in their, and their grace. And, and later, much later, I learned that they had relatives, the hunters, here in this congregation. Like Jesus walking along Ruth and Cleopas, Reverend and Mrs. McCord walked alongside me in my time of need. Have you ever noticed the ways that folks in this church have walked alongside you? About 10 or 12 years ago, some women in the congregation decided that we needed to form a new women's Bible study called Faith Book. 
you know, a place where busy working women could form friendships that were a little deeper than what you form at Bunko, but not so serious that you had to do loads and loads of Bible study homework. And so we decided while we were forming this Bible study that maybe we would invite women in who weren't part of the church. Leslie had the idea that she would invite her friend Jennifer. She knew that Jennifer had been married here in our chapel and she also knew that Jennifer had been really busy in recent years, earning a medical degree, earning a master's degree, raising three busy children. And yet, even though Jennifer had not had the time in her life to affiliate with the congregation, she was on a spiritual journey. So Leslie invited Jennifer to come to Faith Book. And last month, Jennifer conducted her first board meeting here at the church as chairperson of our congregation. Now, what if Leslie had never invited Jennifer? Well, first of all, one of you would have to be the board chair. But second of all, what a disservice would that have been to Jennifer? Sometimes the best way that the church walks alongside is when we are in crisis. I remember one night years ago, it was the middle of the night, close to midnight, when our phone rang. Dave answered. I could tell he was startled. I could tell by the sound of his voice this was serious. I, I could see the relief. It wasn't one of our kids, but it was a close family friend. Their family was in trouble. One of the family members needed to be hospitalized, not in the morning, but right now, they needed to be admitted to a psychiatric unit. They were trembling in fear. They didn't know who to call or what to do. And they were calling Dave, not as a doctor, but as a fellow struggler on the spiritual journey, because they knew he would walk alongside. That family faced some hard times, but they emerged stronger and more deeply in love with one another. Stay with us. Woes, W-O-Z, Woes, is a young man described in a recent book by Brian Root. Some of you heard Mike tell us last week about this 20-something-year-old young man named Woes, who showed up at the congregation where his grandmother had been a member just shortly after her funeral. Woes is there because in the grief of losing his grandmother, he has decided he needs to find God. Well, the congregation isn't quite sure what to do. They want to walk alongside Woes in his spiritual journey, but they're not sure they know how to find God. But they invite Woes in to come to the Bible study. There at the weekly Bible study, he befriends Herbert, an elderly man, and Woes offers to drive Herbert to his weekly doctor visits. On one of those drives, Herbert tells Woes that he has a collection of more than 40 guitars and banjos. Woes is thrilled. He brings some friends over. They go in and they play the instruments together. And then a few weeks later at Bible study, Woes says to the other eight or ten people in the room, have you ever seen Herbert's awesome musical instrument collection? And the members of the Bible study look at Herbert and they say, 
do you play an instrument? And Woe says, he didn't just play an instrument, he played with Johnny Cash. Well, the next time they meet for Bible study, Herbert and Woes bring some instruments. And instead of a small group of 10 sitting around and looking at the Bible, they play music to a group of 35 who have gathered there. And the music swells and fills the room. And Herbert tells Woes, you know, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but after we played together, I went back in my house and cried because I hadn't played music with anybody for more than a decade. And in that evening of music, Woes begins to glimpse a sense of peace, a sense of wholeness, a sense of well-being. Maybe it's not exactly God. Woes isn't quite sure that he has himself found God, but it feels like Jesus has found him, not by overtaking him, but by being present to him in genuine relationships. You see, the church said to Woes, stay with us. And it changed the church. Because when you and I find the courage to extend hospitality, when you and I take a risk to say, stay with us, we just might be speaking to the one whose face turns out to be the risen Christ.